to That's Your Field, and uh, this week Jared is on vacation in Colorado, so it's just Alex and I, and we're doing another episode of How Did It Go So Wrong? Finally, we got rid of that dude. Oh, this feels so much better just having the two pure intellectuals on the conversation. Of course. Jared was always dead weight. I didn't so, want to uh, tell him, no. and I'm really glad he's not going to listen to this episode, but oh, this just feels so much better. But yeah, I, I think let's just launch right into it. Um, Mr. Harmon, what do you want to talk uh, about today? Uh, we're we're going to talk about Christine O'Donnell and th- her attempt to be elected senator from the state of Delaware in 2010. The, the story starts uh, in 2008. Uh, Barack Obama is elected president. Joe Biden is elected as his vice president. And Joe Biden at the time was serving in the U.S. Senate as a senator from Delaware. So the law in Delaware was the governor of Delaware has to pick a Democrat to replace Joe Biden temporarily until a special election could be held. Now, because of the timing, Joe Biden didn't vacate his seat until uh, after Obama took office. So in 2009... So the term had already started. So the next time they could do a special election for the Senate was in 2010. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of consternation among top Democrats that it was possible that they could lose this seat. Because I don't know if you remember, but 2010 was a pretty... It was a huge red wave. Yeah. Exactly. Like, Republicans won seats all over the country. And people were really nervous that Delaware, which is a fairly small state, and small states tend to be able to swing more. Like, a few people changing their mind in California doesn't do a whole lot, but a few people changing their mind in a tiny state like Delaware, well, that makes a difference. Democrats were really worried. Delaware has had a really weird history of, um, you know, being kind of swingy and, you know, being a less safe state for Democrats, not so much anymore. But back in the day, like, there was real worry that he would lose, especially because Republicans had recruited Michael Castle, who was the former fairly popular Republican governor of Delaware, to run against the Democratic candidate, who ended up being uh, Chris Coons. Um, he was a fairly moderate guy, still is a pretty moderate guy. Is he still active now in something? Yeah, Chris Coons is still a senator, oh, which uh, is a little bit of a spoiler for, um, for how this story ends. <sighs> but at the time, both Michael Castle and Christine O'Donnell were polling within two points of Chris Coons in Delaware. And people were really, really worried, like, oh my god, we might actually lose the Joe Biden's Senate seat to the Republicans. Mm-hmm. You know, people were obviously really, really worried about Mike Castle. Christine O'Donnell, on the other hand, was kind of a... Uh, she didn't have a lot of political experience. She was a college Republican in the 90s. She, you know, worked on the bush Quail campaign... You know, so she, she wasn't brand new to politics, and she, you know, was working with a number of evangelical advocacy groups. Uh, she founded her own organization, so she, she didn't hold a whole lot of public office. In fact, I don't think she held any public office before this election. She'd ran for Senate in 2006 and in 2008. All for Delaware, or did she go to other states? 
all for Delaware. So she didn't win the primary in 2006. She won the primary in 2008, but, like, that was a really bad year for Republicans. Yeah. So she didn't even come close. But, you know, that, that was hardly a bad thing on her. But in 2010, people just sort of thought, like, oh, she's a two-time failed nominee, and she's running against an extremely popular establishment Republican former governor. There's no way she's going to win. Well... The situation is, uh, 2010 was also the year that the Tea Party started being a serious movement. Oh yeah, lots of thoughts there. (laughs) Christine O'Donnell realized that one of the best ways that she had to defeat the sort of entrenched Republican governor um, was to align herself fully with the Tea Party movement, and she totally did. It was going to be fun. She she had a massive campaign to raise money from Tea Party people. Aren't Tea Partiers either, like, aren't there a few backers that have way deeper pockets you and I will ever have combined, and then the rest are usually, like, people who might give a dollar or two at most? Yes. Okay. Now, she did raise a bunch of small dollar donations, yeah. but mostly what she did was... Um, appeal to those big donors. So somewhere between $250,000 and $600,000 came into her campaign from the Tea Party movement in the final weeks before the primary election. Okay. And some weird stuff started coming out about her. So the uh, Delaware News Journal put out a report talking about her financial difficulties. She, she, she had some weird tax issues. She had some weird, like, you know, not being able to pay back debt correctly issues. And she just said it was, like, misunderstandings and, like, paperwork errors. I want to clarify something. So, because you've set it up to sound like um, within the few weeks of the actual election day, she got this huge influx of money and then things started coming out. So I feel like you're... It, I don't want to use the C word, but it sounds like you're building some sort of conspiracy, but I know you're not. So, like, what is, is there, like, a relationship there, or that was just two separate things? Th- those are two separate things. Okay. It was more just she hadn't really gotten a fair look by most voters. You know, Got she it. was just the conservative challenger to the guy who was totally going to win. Like, as an example, Castle refused to debate Christine O'Donnell, saying that she was dishonest. And this only escalated when her campaign put out a video that implied that Castle was having a gay affair with one of his staffers. She fired the guy who put out that claim, but later she appeared on a radio show saying that Castle was unmanly and that the campaign wasn't a bake-off, so put your man pants on. I have... I don't even know what man pants are... (laughs) <laughs> and I don't know what's wrong with the bake-off. Like, right now, I haven't really eaten today, but I'm like, oh my god, if someone baked fresh foods right now, I would lose my mind. That is an unreal... Whatever. Okay. It's politics. Regardless, suddenly, uh, things started heating up, and Castle started realizing, like, hmm, maybe I should have taken this more seriously, because of all the money that was coming into her campaign. And, like, Republican leaders in Delaware were still pretty confident that she wasn't going to win, but there were very few polls, because it's very difficult to poll smaller states, and, like, who's polling on this obvious mismatch? When the election occurred, she won by 6% over Castle. Sounds like a wonderful fairy tale story. Absolutely. And uh, immediately afterwards, the Tea Party Express 
and a number of other conservative organizations endorsed her and basically said, like, yeah, Christine O'Donnell, she's great. She's going to lead the Tea Party to victory, even in Delaware. I feel like there's a but coming. There is a but coming. What's the but? Turns out that maybe Christine O'Donnell probably should have gotten a little more scrutiny before she started spending tons and tons of money. Oh, so as no, an example. What, what skeletons did she have? So let's let's start with uh, where she went to college. In all three of her campaigns for the Senate, she described herself as a graduate of Fairleigh Dickinson University or Farley Dickinson University. Fairy Dick. Wait, what was it called? <laughs> uh, I I don't know how to pronounce the name. Please of this spell college, it. Please spell it. F A I R L E I G H. Fairleigh. Yeah. You're, all right. Fairleigh Dickinson. Where is that? What is that? So Fairleigh Dickinson University is a private university in Teaneck, New Jersey. Oh, so they definitely have a partner one. Okay. Um, yeah. Sure. But so, um, what's wrong with her graduating from Fairleigh Dickinson? She actually graduated from the university with her bachelor's degree in English in September 2010. How old was she? Where was she? When was she born? Like, what is... Not that you have to be a certain age to go to college, but, like, what is... Let, let's, let's make this easy. That was 17 years after she left the school. And, coincidentally, it was two weeks before she won the Republican primary in 2010. Um, Dude, she's an awesome multitasker. She could run for the Senate while finishing her degree from almost 20 years ago. 17 years late, yeah. Uh, and Damn. when she was asked about this... Her campaign said that there were financial issues, which weirdly played back into the previous coverage of her financial stuff. But they were just saying her diploma was withheld until she paid off her student loans. But it turns out that uh, she actually had taken a general elective course during the summer of 2010 while she was running for the Senate the third time. Do we know what the course was? We don't. I would love Um, to know. I would love to know, too. So there were a lot of weird things about this. And in the midst of all of this, suddenly people were actually providing her campaign with scrutiny. And, uh, you know, she was being challenged on a number of different stuff. In came Bill Maher. Oh, God. Now, Bill Maher, on September 17th, so just like a little less than a week after she won the primary, He aired a clip of Christine O'Donnell saying, and this is a direct quote, I dabbled into witchcraft. I never joined a coven, but I hung around people who were doing these things. We went to a movie and then had a little midnight picnic on a satanic altar, and I didn't know it. I respect her so much more now. But continue. Like, so, oh, I have questions, but none of them you can answer. But okay, wow. True. Now... Like, what this... was the attire? Were they all in robes or just in normal jeans and shirt? Like, what? Oh, I have so many thoughts. Okay. Now. Were the hats this... pointy? Sorry, continue. In response to this clip, Christine O'Donnell took out a TV ad for her campaign. It featured her in a, like, kind of blue, stormy-looking background, dressed in all black, talking directly to camera. And the very first line of the ad was, I'm not a witch. I'm nothing you've heard. I'm you. <laughs> I actually don't remember that, but I love it. <laughs> okay. Well, you e- might need to I send me put, the. I will yeah. put a link to this ad in the show notes. Yeah, do but, it. But um, this ad went fucking everywhere. Saturday Night Live 
did a parody of it. Like, thousands and thousands of YouTubers did parody videos of... Well, did it work? Did people believe she wasn't a witch after this? It turns out that one of the worst things you can do if you're trying to convince people that you're not a witch is to say directly into camera, dressed in all black with creepy music in the background, I'm not a witch, I'm you. And this backfired so spectacularly. In her defense, though, in her defense, I think that was a better method of proving not a witchness than throwing her in a river to see if she drowns or not. (laughs) Because then, at least, even even though that would give us conclusive proof, this one's a lot less fatal. So I feel like she did do a step up from the established method of proving non-witchery, but I guess there's way better options that I just can't think of at the moment. Drowning people to decide whether they're witches or not, probably not a good option either, but... uh... I mean, it worked, though. I don't think... Or maybe it always failed. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) So this this is an example of what some people call the Streisand effect. Yeah. Which is, there weren't a lot of people who had seen the Bill Maher clip. So when national media picked up this ad of her saying, I'm not a witch, I'm you, she has no explanation in the ad for what she means by I'm not a witch. So if the very first interaction you've had with this particular story was her ad, you thought what she was saying was, no, 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 apropos of nothing, I'm not a witch. It was weird. It was very weird. And it got her national attention and not the good kind. Well, do we know her polling numbers before that and two weeks after the ad? She was polling two points down from Chris Coons. Okay. Then this ad went viral. Then during the next debate between uh, her and Chris Coons, she challenged Chris Coons on the topic of the separation of church and state saying, where in the Constitution is the separation of church and state? The audience laughed at her, and Coons said, the First Amendment. And O'Donnell replied, let me clarify, you're telling me that the separation of church and state is found in the First Amendment? In a later interview, O'Donnell said that she and her team were high-fiving each other after the debate, thinking that they had exposed that Chris Coons doesn't know what the First Amendment says. It wasn't until after newspapers started writing articles about how stupid she looked that they read the actual text of the First Amendment and Mm -hmm. realized that they were actually on the wrong side of this one. Yeah. All of this kind of came together. After all this came out, the polls started saying something very different from what they had said pre-primary. What was the result of the election? The result of the election, uh, Christine O'Donnell lost the general election to Chris Coons by a margin of 57% to 40%. Not nearly as bad as I thought. (laughs) I wonder how many people heard the witch comments and were like, you know what? I am going to vote for her. Clearly a sizable population. It's entirely possible, but uh, the, the the situation is, in July 2010, before any of this stuff happened, uh, Rasmussen poll showed her 41 to 39% ahead of Chris Coons, and on election day, she lost 57 to 40%, which is an absolute blowout. It was one of the only defeats for the Tea Party movement in 2010, and... 
uh, there are still to this day people who honestly believe that if Mike Castle had won the uh, primary instead, he would currently be a senator from Delaware. Do we know what Castle and Christine, Miss Christine are doing right now? Christine O'Donnell, uh, since she lost her election, has been uh, on various websites and news organizations a conservative commentator. Um, Sounds all right. I believe Mike Castle is just entirely out of politics now. Uh, I, I did Wiki, uh, Google or Wikipedia or whatever Christine O'Donnell about seven minutes before we hopped on this because I was like, Bradley says I know something about her and I really don't, so I need to look it up. And the only thing I actually remember reading, because then other things happened, was uh, when it came to her current, I think they were current, political beliefs, the wonderful side of Wikipedia, which was sourced, and I have no freaking clue where it was sourced though, um, said that on her views of an abortion, she's completely against it, um, except in cases of, I think it said rape or incest, which makes me a little confused, but in those cases then and only in those cases when it's also confirmed that either the mother or the child will have to die um that then it's up to the the patients or whatever family to decide which person lives and which person would die i'm like oh so it kind of makes sense that she's a commentator now that's all i'm gonna say yeah um you know so that was basically how, how did it go so wrong how did uh in a massive republican wave year with a former Republican governor on the ballot, how did the uh, Delaware Republican Party blow an easy election? It kind of is a little reassuring that there was a time where a candidate for any major party could say something like, I'm not a witch, and plus other things that happened, and it actually affected them negatively in the polls. That's kind of reassuring in a weird way. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, 2010 was a different time. In 2020, if a candidate of a major political party, one in particular, said, I am not a witch, I think his poll numbers might go up a smidge. I think some people would be like, you know, I was on the fence, but now that I know you're not a witch, I'm okay again. Like, I just think that's a thing out there. I have zero reason to believe it other than people. But Well, you know, uh, witchcraft, shooting someone on 6th Avenue, what are you going to do? 5th Avenue, he said, I thought. Ah, that's you can shoot bad. someone on Fifth Avenue and not matter. And you know what? He might be right. But whatever. Um, anyway, so that that's what I've got. That's uh, how did it go so wrong? Christine O'Donnell. Um, well, I'm a f- I'm actually not a fan, but I'm definitely going to have to find the ad. You're going to have to share it with our three listeners. I'll, I'll send you the link and I'll post it in the show notes. So yeah, take a I look want, there if you're curious. I want the three family members to be able to watch this. Um, so, Jared, now we're talking to you. We're ignoring our three other listeners. We're going to, I'm assigning you a topic for next uh, podcast. I almost said next week, but who knows? It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be in 2021. Probably won't, but you never really know. We want to keep you on your toes. Anyways, I know you didn't mean that, but um, that line was um, exclaimed by the great Kevin Garnett after he won a title with the Boston Celtics in 2008, after he had this amazing career and never won a championship and finally did it. And all the emotions came out and he just goes, anything is possible. And it's a really cool moment. Oh, but since you brought that up anyways, let's talk about the Celtics. Actually, I don't want to talk about the Celtics. They kind of suck. But <laughs> the 2014-2015 NBA season, Jared, you need to be listening to this. The Maver- the Dallas Mavericks, one of the best teams probably in the history of all sports ever in the world, had the number one ranked offense in the league. They were a high-octane, power thing, shooting, passing, cutting everywhere. They Absolutely. were led by super dynamic players like 
Dirk Nowitzki, greatest of all time. Monte mm-hmm. Ellis, who could do it all. Tyson Chandler, who was the defensive anchor and won us a championship. And Chandler Parsons, who was a before he got injured and became part of my French, but just kind of a, a f- boy. But I mean that in the best sense possible. Um, he just is rich and hangs out with Instagram models all day. Like that's all he does now. Sure. Um, um, and, but he was an up and coming swing wing from uh, Houston. We got and we we're all like, this is gonna be one of Dirk's last rides. We we're gonna try to, you know, do some damage in the playoffs. The only thing is, even though we had the number one ranked offense, our defense kind of, mm, it wasn't really existent. And in the West at that time, there were so many great dynamic point guards that like we needed someone to stop them at the head of the attack mm-hmm. or else our our team would be always screwed. So sure. Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban organized this awesome trade um, that would send, I want to get it right, a few of our great um, pieces like... Brandon Wright, Jay Crowder, and Jameer Nelson, who is out of the league, but the first two I don't think are still. I think they are still playing. Um, sent them to the weirdly Boston Celtics for Rajon Rondo and current Mav favorite Dwight Powell, who at the time was just to throw in. Um, and we were like, oh, we're going to get this great championship caliber point guard. He's going to be awesome. He'll be able to like shut down opposing point guards, and then we'll just be able to keep the high offense going because he's a, he's a passing wizard, and we'll just everyone loves shooting and whatever. It would be great. Without giving away anything, um, except the theme of this talk was awful train wrecks that just exploded into like hysterical fits of How just did it go despair. So wrong? Or called that. It did not go smoothly. Um, hmm. It's one of the only times that I know of, which is a very limited memory base, but it's only one of the times I know of that a player on a team um, was voted not to get his playoff bonus checks like when you get in the playoffs you have those extra games so you get there's one of the only times the players Wait, in the, the rest of the team said no you were so bad for our team that you don't so get your play i don't win. so so jared will have to weigh in and i don't want to mischaracterize anything i don't know if it's like just a vote from the players or if it's the whole organization or the co- i don't know how it all works but rajon rondo was voted not to get any of those and the and the um, he like quit on the team in another occasion. It was just a an explosion from so many different perspectives, um, from going the number one offense to like flaming out in the first round, and it just was ugly. And no one doesn't get along with Dirk. Like as much as we love Dirk, he's the goofy, friendly guy that everyone in the league loves. Rondo, not so much. Like it was just an explosion from all sorts of ways. And people love watching train wrecks in sports, and this is hundred percent one of them. Um, so Jared, we'll be talking about that next week. So letting you know now, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Next you know. time on Dragon Ball Z, but yeah. Cool. All right, should we take any uh, calls from our listeners? Do we have calls? Do you well, have I guess not. On phone? I don't. Well, I do, but no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just thinking maybe we should start taking calls from our listeners. We can, and you that know That would be what? cool. We all have different voices, too, so no one will actually know if it's someone else or if it's just one of us fielding a question that we've been dying for someone to ask us. We don't really know. That's, we'll keep it a mystery. That's fair. That's That's true. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll consider that at a later date. Once um we actually start promoting this in any way, I haven't even posted this show on Facebook yet. I think I'm going to do that after this episode goes out. Oh, so you want our audience to be 100% boomers, don't you? I want our audience to be 100% larger. I know that. <laughs> that's like two extra people. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, tell we'll your friends. Well, thank God I don't really have any friends. That's okay. Um, I'm talking to you. I was talking to our listeners. Oh, listeners, you can tell like a friend or two if you want. Um, (laughs) Oh, and shout out to the law school classmate who literally just texted me. You make me so anxious. That was great. (laughs) Um, That was, that was, I, I wholeheartedly agree. 
uh, friend out there, you're welcome. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, I, I think that's going to be it for uh, How Did It Go So Wrong, a podcast within a podcast. So, uh, you know, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, Alex, always good to talk to you. <laughs> Love y'all. Stay safe. Drink some sweet tea and, you know, go outside a little bit. See y'all later. Bye.